Do you have to park so close? Yeah, what's wrong? You shouldn't be here. Why is that, Alan? I'm not supposed to be within 200 feet of a school. What? Or Chuck E. Cheese. All right, let's talk seminars. August 13th through the 15th is our next available seminar, followed by October 15th through the 17th, both those in Wichita Falls. Camps on the list, we do have a coaching development camp covering how to coach the squat and the deadlift on June 27th in Orlando. We also have a self-sufficient lifter camp July 10th in Wichita Falls covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift. As of this recording, we do have some spots left for our squat camp on May 29th in Orlando. And then we have another squat camp on June 19th in Houston at Starting Strength Houston. We've just added a squat and deadlift camp to the list at our newest Starting Strength gym location in Oklahoma City. That's going to be coached by Baby Huey himself, Chase Lindley. That'll be on July 17th. And then finally, some spots left on September 18th for our first ever Olympic lifting camp covering the snatch as well as the clean and jerk. And that'll be in Denver at Starting Strength Denver. We also still have some spots left for our classic Olympic lifting meet on July 24th in Wichita Falls. So we'll be contesting the snatch, the clean and jerk, as well as the clean and press. Starting Strength Gyms continue to open. We just announced Orlando. They just signed their lease. We are looking for coaches so we can continue to build out nationwide. If you're interested in becoming a coach or just want more information in general, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com and check out the coaching tab. And while we're on the subject, reminder... Unless it comes from the Gillenwater region of France, it's just Sparkling Ray. For more details or information on anything that I've talked about, head over to strongstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday, and since it's Friday, it's time to talk about the movies. All right? The movies are our topic of conversation today, and we're here with our house geek, Russell Holcomb. Hey, Rip. Hey, Rusty. <laughs> And his uh, email address is uh, Holcomb Strength. That's H O L C O L M. H O L C O M B. M B. There's about nine ways to spell that, isn't there? Yeah. Training. Just, just pick one. Yeah. Holcomb Strength Training at uh, gayboy.com. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hotmail.com. No, I'm sorry. Gmail. Do people use Hotmail anymore? I don't know. Yeah. Why I know people they? that use AOL. I use AOL. I know one. I know one person. I know one person that uses AOL. <laughs> That's why I know two. But, and you know why I use AOL? Just as an aside here, because I'm too fucking lazy to set up an AOL account, <laughs> and it works just fine. And I don't really give a shit. <laughs> you people think that I'm, you know, making chipped flint tools at home while I use my AOL computer. My AOL email address. So, anyway. Send Rusty anything you want. Anything. anything. Send, send me everything. He answers all of his email. Eventually. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, we're going to talk about science fiction movies today. Science fiction's kind of a favorite topic of ours. We waste way too much time talking about it anyway, so we just thought, well, while we're wasting time talking about it, we might as well get some content out of it for the website. So here we are at Starting Strength Radio, and we're going to talk about science fiction movies. So... uh, I guess the the first thing to discuss is what the hell is a science fiction movie? Yeah. You know, because uh, uh, those of us that actually care about such things are, uh, you know, we're fans of all kinds of things that you may think are science fiction movies, but actually are not. Uh, for example, Star Wars is not science fiction. No, no. Uh- I think the uh, the added like magic and stuff completely changes yeah, it. They put some magic in it, but the plot <clears throat> is not. There's the plot devices mm-hmm. in those movies and in lots and lots of movies are not science fiction. Mm-hmm. They're not speculative. Yeah, yeah. They just they're advanced technology, mm-hmm. yeah. and it doesn't have anything whatsoever to do with bending space and time or exploring the concepts of metaphysics or anything like that, like you typically associate with science fiction. Uh, Basically, with science fiction, it needs to be a bit more grounded into future technology versus we're just going to make shit up and see what sticks. Well, science fiction is... You could make a science fiction movie in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to, because it's not dependent on... The, on, on speculation about what science can do. Mm-hmm. This is, if you wait long enough, we'll have faster than light drive. So, yep. you know, you've got uh, Star Trek, Star Wars. These are both examples of what would be better described as space opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been It's been referred to as a space western, too, because of the adventure elements in the plot and the plots about what the people are doing and yeah and george lucas took so much from spaghetti westerns yeah and, um he clearly had that in mind yeah buck rogers was a big influence on him when he was a child so that's that's where all that fantasy element started coming from well the now in 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 terms of discussing the term fantasy mm-hmm. fantasy fiction is a whole genre of fiction, and that involves, you know, magicians and gods, and and you know, a lot of times it's set in the in uh, the context of Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. And Paul Anderson wrote a whole bunch of of that stuff: Broken Sword and Rolf Crocky's Saga, things like that. Uh, but fantasy involves magic. Yeah, I would I would say that the defining. Uh, characteristic of a fantasy fiction story or a fantasy film is the the inclusion of magic mm-hmm. into it. And if you look at Star Trek and Star Wars, they have none of that at all, except the inclusion in Star Wars of the Force. Yeah, yeah. And the Force, uh, they don't, I don't think they want to, I don't think they want you to come away with the impression that the Force is, is magic in Star Wars. Do you think that that's what Lucas intended that to 
to be. I, th- I think he, I think he kind of did, honestly, because um, you know you have you have basically space wizards, mm-hmm. the Jedi, mm-hmm. who are harnessing a secret power that nobody else can harness. Right. At least that was the original intention of it. Now with uh, the way Disney's handling things, it's it's all you know anybody can be anything. But um, well, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think he did intend it to be a magical element. Um, um, as far as space wizards with lightsabers be fighting people with with ray guns, you know you have to be a space wizard to be able to do that. Um, right. But yeah, I, I think there was a definitely a huge fantasy element between all that. Well, I I don't know if it's huge because the whole the story doesn't revolve around that aspect of the of the plot. The story revolves around what people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know the the plot is is people centered. It's politics. It's interpersonal mm-hmm. stuff. It's yeah. it's all of the stuff that any adventure movie is made out of. Yeah. It, ba- it just happens to be set a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the defining. You know, and they want to introduce the force and stuff. But mm-hmm. I still think you're dealing there with something that's not science fiction. Mm-hmm. I think that if you want to talk about science fiction specifically like we're going to try to stick to today. You're going to have to talk about things that involve the edge of science as the plot. And the classic example of a, of a film and a story uh, along these lines is 2001 A Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. filmed by Stanley Kubrick in 1967. It is, oh, I, I don't know... Uh, most people I know consider that the best science fiction movie that's ever been made. It was way ahead of its time, especially way, especially way, the special way, effects. Way ahead of yeah, its time. Yes, yes. It was so carefully made back in '67. My God, it was just a just a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember even as a kid, the um, the rotating set when he's running, you know, and he, yes. they built a whole set to yes. rotate. So he could stay in one spot. Right. It, that was just astonishing to me. It still well, is. they spent a hell of a bunch yeah. of money on every aspect of that thing to make the make the effects tight. Not a not a CG in it because no. it didn't exist at no. the time. All of it was in camera special effects, mm-hmm. and it was. Uh, but the idea behind the behind the entire plot was that an alien civilization had planted a. Uh, a an detector. Obelisk. Yeah, an obelisk. A yeah. detector, yeah. as it were, on the moon. Mm. And buried it. And these people are patient. Yeah. And the idea was that when the civilization on Earth got to the point where they could get to the moon and uncover this object, that sunlight would find it and it would then send a signal, notifying the people who had placed it there that technology had now advanced on earth and then uh after that all kinds of interesting things happen many of which remain to this day unexplained yeah yeah now i've seen that movie forty times when i was a kid i saw it when it first came out which meant i was 12 when i first saw it and that would have been a I, great theater experience. It was a great theater experience. It was it was shown 
at a very ni- at the time a very nice theater in mm-hmm. downtown Wichita Falls. Very, uh, the Wichita Theater was where that was uh, was run in its first run here in Wichita Falls. Wichita Theater was a Panavision theater. Uh, was an amazing. It, it still is. If you've been to a concert down there, that is an amazing hall. I've been to a few plays down a- there acoustically. Yeah. yeah, there's not a bad seat in the house. No. You can sit up in the in the top of the balcony, or you can sit down on the third row, and the and the acoustics are the same mm-hmm. in both places. It's the damnedest thing you've ever seen. Uh, People on stage don't even need microphones. No. That thing was designed back in the 19-teens, 20s, and they didn't have broadcast technology, and they used architecture yeah. as a substitute for that. And the, the place is an amazing hall, and they had top-notch projection equipment. It was a, it was a stunning thing to get to see back then. And I... Uh, Every time it would come through, because they re-ran 2001 for years, mm-hmm. years and years. They'd re-release it for years. Every time it was available, I went and saw it. Every single time. And then, you know, with the advent of VHS tape, I had a copy I wore out. And then DVDs, I've still got three or four copies of that laying around. Interesting thing about that movie is that Kubrick... Being Kubrick, uh, fixed it up so nothing could ever be added to that film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you remember the story that he had some extra reels out in his garage. And he shit. burned them all. He burned them. <laughs> <laughs> because people kept asking him. Yeah. People kept asking, when are you going to release the 30th anniversary? That the 40th man wasn't, he was insane. He was um, clearly he was insane. He was an insane genius. Yes. And, uh, yeah, he was doing his own thing. He was not concerned with your opinion. Yeah. And, uh, and, it's, and it's funny how people are still analyzing all of his movies because there's so much symbology in every single scene, and people just want to pick everything apart and mm-hmm. try and interpret it. And nobody's ever going to know what any of it actually means. No, I don't think They're they never going to figure it out. This, I, it, it probably doesn't mean anything. Yeah. We just want it to. Mm-hmm. You know, we want it to mean something, so we're going to hunt for a hidden meaning yeah but i think probably he just got it the way he wanted it to look mm-hmm. and that's what it was yeah and uh his uh he made 2001 in with in a close partnership with arthur c clark the author of the story uh the thing uh was the, the idea for the for the story came from a short story that Arthur C. Clarke had written back probably the late 50s, early 60s, called The Sentinel. Mm -hmm. And this story was, uh, oh, it was was probably a 10,000-word story. And it's, you know, the the moon idea was the central thing there. And and then uh, they fleshed out the rest of that idea and made the rest of the movie about it. And then Arthur C. Clarke released his novelization of the screenplay as a novel. And that probably would have been about 69. And the book attempted to explain some of the stuff in the movie without 
really going into a whole lot of painstaking detail because neither one of these guys wanted to spoon feed this to you. Yeah, and I think that's what's great about that movie. It it makes you look for answers instead yes. of just, like you said, spoon-feeding you, giving you the answer. And, and that's the big problem with blockbuster films now is here's the answer. Like, at the end of right. it, everybody wants the answer. They want it now. And that was not the case for a lot of movies back in the day. Well, in fact, I think you could say that as a, one of the defining features of science fiction films yeah. in general. Yeah. There are questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that are not answered for the audience mm-hmm. because the question as opposed to in star wars the question is the point yeah it's the important part in a in a science fiction film mm-hmm. and uh you know 2001 was way ahead of its time in terms of the visual effects as we'd mentioned in terms of the set pieces and the photography was was so perfectly clear and such high-quality stuff, yep. and Kubrick was a master at that kind of production. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were we talking about the other day, Nick? Barry Lyndon? Yep. How, Barry Lyndon's another Kubrick film that was uh, it's just a period piece. That Is that was, the one with all the natural lighting? That's Yeah, yes. it was. The, Barry Lyndon was, was kind of a, a favorite film among uh, film school guys. Because it uh, was supposed to have been uh, produced entirely with natural lighting mm-hmm. in the scene. In, the, in other words, if, a, if you had a, a night scene in the manor house, mm-hmm. the lights that would have been on in the manor house are what they shot under. Yeah. And they just adjusted camera and film to... Mm-hmm. to compensate for that it didn't artificially light anything and it was it had an interesting look to it i didn't think the movie was that interesting specifically itself but i it it was interesting to watch him work through the technical problems Mm -hmm. of uh, producing a film with candlelight and gas lamps and things like this that that, uh, everybody else just solves with these things here you know wonder if we could shoot a podcast just with candles. <laughs> you want to try that sometime, Nick? You sure can. See what happens. Well, that will be I mean, what could our, go Kubrick, wrong? our Kubrick phase of podcasting. Yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> and they talk about nothing for about... <laughs> nothing but everything. <laughs> oh, God. Everybody's so impressed with The Shining... I still love The Shining. I, I know you're not a huge fan. I'm not I, I think interested it's great. in seeing it again. I, I just didn't think there was anything much there. But it's just that that movie is is notable for the fact that it's probably the last movie that Jack Nicholson ever did where he's not playing the character Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think uh, no, The Shining's not. I didn't think it was scary. It's not supposed it's to not, be scary. It's not scary. It's not. It's not. It's not. Um, just supposed to be weird. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do like Jack Nicholson's slow descent into madness in that movie. Yeah, but that's, you know. Um, that's, uh, 
Wasn't, wasn't The Shining Stephen King? Thing? It was, but it, but the, that but the movie so fucking overrated. But the movie itself was so far off the book. Stephen King was just furious about Good. it. Good, <laughs> good. That makes me happy for Kubrick. Because <laughs> Kubrick doesn't give a fuck about anybody. <laughs> he care about. He care about Stephen. No, King, he doesn't. <laughs> God almighty. So, anyway, two thousand one is is our pick for. The number one science fiction movie of all time. And if you haven't seen it, uh, why are you here? Yeah. You know, why are you still stuck with us? I'm telling you, you've got to sit down and watch that and get a good copy of it on DVD. Watch it on the best definition screen you can watch it on. The sound, the soundtrack for that movie is astonishing. It's absolutely astonishing. It is. It was the most notable. It's probably the most notable movie soundtrack of all time. And in the, in the beginning of that film is one of my favorite beginnings, the Dawn of Man scene. Yes. It's one of my favorite beginnings of any film. Well, but all the all the classical stuff that's in that, the, the best recording of the Blue Danube Waltz mm-hmm. that's, ever been, that's ever been recorded, and a bunch of avant-garde stuff that, that uh, he was aware of at the time that, Makes perfect sense in the movie, but nobody would barely listen to otherwise. Uh, there is a uh, the Guyana Ballet Suite by uh, Kachaturian mm-hmm. is in that, and it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. And uh, the, the whole thing is just it's just an experience, and you don't need to try to watch this in two or three sittings. You need to sit down. And watch the damn thing, and tell everybody to shut the fuck up, and and just enjoy the movie. If you've never seen it before, you you know you'll just trust me. Do it this way. Don't try to just you know watch it when you have time because it's not that kind of film. Um, the HAL nine thousand computer is actually commenting pretty regularly on our starting strength stuff. It's pretty interesting. Oh really? Yeah. HAL <laughs> that you was a, that the, was a fascinating uh, addition to that film. Yeah, too. yeah. yeah. Uh, you need to watch the 4K the, HDR version that was released 2018. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Yeah. They've that's got a, a 4K. That's a re- it's an 8K rescan of the original. Uh, the original film. Panavision. The original films. Yep. Well, that's that's what you want. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. Yeah, I was, and just, sometimes just, wish I had a bigger screen to watch. I got a forty-eight inch screen, and for that movie especially, I'd like to have a big, nice yep. screen to watch it on. Most other stuff I don't really care much about. But the thing that people forget too is that for perspective, I'm looking at the list of science fiction movies released in 1968. Uh, Mars needs women. <laughs> Yeah, it was just a bunch of campy Barbarella. Yeah, it was Queen of the Galaxy. You know, I I like Barbarella. It was was so far ahead. It's you know, it's like trying to compare uh, Led Zeppelin to Hootie and the Blowfish or something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's so fucking ahead of its time. Well, and it of such a different quality and character, and it remained ahead of its time for a long it, time. It is still, ahead and the of best time. the best current science fiction movies steal a lot from from oh, uh, from that. Yes, and definitely. and don't get there. Yep, yeah. and don't get there. Mm-hmm. You know, as just uh, just as, just as, the as far as just the precedent on the special effects alone. 
Right. That changed everything. There wasn't a movie that looked anything like that. And there, it's arguable that um, no movie has even gotten to that point yet. I, I Again, don't think so. It's, the special it, effects might look better with CGI. With, but, it has to do with the way he filmed it. Yeah, it's the yeah. film stock and the whole... The damn thing was just a glittering diamond of a mm-hmm. picture. Yes. You know, it was... It was amazing. The thing was just absolutely fucking amazing. Because I watched all the all these movies that we're going to be talking about pretty much over the whole weekend. The the only movie that I think got close to it is Blade Runner. Yes. Um, as far as now, visually being a yes. stunning. Yes. That's the only movie that I think got real close to it. Blade Runner is is up in the top five science fiction mm-hmm. movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, let's let's do this. Let's contrast. What would be considered modern, and by modern I mean within the past five or six years, uh, attempts at science fiction, and and talk about Interstellar and Arrival, mm-hmm. and both of those are pretty good examples of what I would consider to be textbook science fiction films. Yeah, uh, Interstellar was with. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey and uh, oh, what is her name? Um, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Uh, oh shoot, um, oh, Matt Damon's in it too. Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon is in Matt it. Matt Damon shows up in the damn thing, but uh, the uh, the older actor, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine's yeah. in it. Yeah, so it's got some A-listers. Mm-hmm. Thing. I, I love Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I, I I love everything he's oh, in. Oh, he's he's excellent. Yeah, I love him. There's no doubt. I he's an excellent actor. I have no problem with him at all. Yeah. He's he's good in everything he's in. Mm-hmm. Carefully picks his roles. Yes, I liked him in Rain of Fire. I thought that was a hell mm-hmm. of a good movie. Mm-hmm. Dragon movie. Yep, I like dragon movies. That was when Christian Bell wouldn't take any movie. <laughs> Nothing was beneath him at that point. Yeah, <laughs> I thought Christian Bale did a great job. Oh yeah, no, he's in great. Rain of Fire. Yeah. He's Bale does a great job in, in every anything. damn thing he's yeah, in, too. Because he dedicates himself to it. You can tell whenever yeah. when he would go from uh, between Batman and then The Machinist, he would lost, what, 70 pounds or some shit like that? And then immediately put that weight back on so he could do the next Batman. I mean, he's well, he's a he's a amazing and, actor. And he was in uh, did such a good job in, in The Prestige. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Prestige was, that's that's a great film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I wouldn't consider that. The, there's some science fiction elements in Prestige, but we're not. We're, that's a, it's more of a historical historical there's a lot of fantasy yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's an excellent film that Bale and uh, uh, and Hugh Jackman is in that mm-hmm. in that film. And uh, doesn't uh, David Bowie David play? Bowie shows up yeah, as Tesla. Nikola Tesla? Yeah, yeah. Thing. It's a and he was great. He was it's great. It's a great film. Yeah, it's yeah. a great film. Watch that, The mm-hmm. Prestige. And Interstellar is a very carefully shot film by Christopher Nolan. And uh, it's, a, it's a classic Nolan film in that the thing jumps around all over the, all over the place and makes you think about what's going on. But uh, the, the central plot in this, in this movie, how would you characterize that it's the central uh, plot the earth is dying i mean and there's and the earth ex- is dying they don't have an explainment uh, there's nowhere to go yeah yeah it's dying for some reason and and then on the end of the solar system uh 
black hole basically opens up. Something portal. happens way out there, and we have to get out there and see what yeah. the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. And and after we get to the black hole, things start happening on Earth. And this is the science fiction component. Well, which, if thing. you think about it, that's very 2001. You know, yes. there's something out here. We know it's over there. We mm-hmm. got to get to it. And the whole point is to get to that, Quite get through similar. it, and then figure out what's behind it. Quite similar yeah. deal. And it's, uh, you know, we're not going to be doing a bunch of spoilers today, so we're not going to tell you what that was. But mm-hmm. uh, it is, uh, the thing's heavily invested in that particular idea. Yeah. That uh, there are things we don't understand about space and time and dimensions and things like this. And that's always been, as far as I'm concerned, the hallmark of a science fiction film. And in space, big, time, dimension. That's yeah, and the big thing about the, the fact that it makes a science fiction is all of it was grounded in actual physics between how black holes operate and how space-time operates. Yeah, yeah, what we what know, we of, know it. of it. But um, all there was many theori- theoretical physicists that were involved in the in the writing of it, and they they had a had a rule if it if it breaks known physics, we're not going to do it. Right. So that that really leads to that science fiction aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it's good that they had the the discipline mm-hmm. to stick with that because that thing could have gone off the oh off yeah the rails yes, real easy. Yes, you know? It could have. Yeah. But they kept it. A science fiction film, mm-hmm. and uh, there's and a really good book uh, by Kip Thorne, who is the physicist who consulted on the movie, yeah. um, and he's responsible for the thousand-page book called Gravitation. Uh, so he's the guy, right? right. Yeah, um, I remember him from the credits. Yep. yep. So, uh, so <laughs> it's cool to read how they did this because um, Kip Thorne actually came up with some some models and new equations to describe these things. Mm-hmm as a result of working on that movie. And in fact, if you guys remember about a year ago, year and a half ago, they released the first actual picture of a black hole. Yes. And yes. it looks exactly like Gargantua mm-hmm. yep. from the movie. Yep. Yeah. So the the uh so he worked with uh with the with a, a special effects house, came up with all the equations, they put the equations together, made it look cool and here here's a black hole. This is what it actually looks like based on yeah. the equations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that's what they actually look like. Yeah, you know. Well, so. that's that's pretty cool. The and if you want to feel real stupid, get that book and try to read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called it's called the Science of Interstellar. The Science of Interstellar. Yeah, it's by Kip Thorne. It's it's fantastic. So he goes. It's cool because he does a section on here's kind of the layperson explanation, and then here's the deeper explanation. Uh, but it's it's incredible. Yeah. So the the uh, time dilation effects. <laughs> On the tidal wave planet, were yeah dialed in. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. that was that was really an interesting. Oh man, yeah, it was really an interesting. What a great scene when they come back to the ship they and come the guys back to the scene after their forty-five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and everybody on the ship is twenty-five years twenty-five years like older. Yeah. And he was and acting he was, way different. Like <laughs> the moment that you see him back on the ship when he's older, he's been alone for so long. If you watch him when they go to the next planet, yeah, he's acting weird. Yeah. Alone for 25 years will do that. Yeah. To your <laughs> Especially in space. Yeah. And what, and what a fucking commitment. He just didn't leave. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm just yeah. going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. But that, yeah, that was... There are a lot of really good things about that yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Interstellar. We highly recommend yes. it. And 
riding on the tails of Interstellar is the movie called Arrival. Mm-hmm. And this was what? That was what? 2017? 2016. 16. Yeah. Just fairly recently, five years ago. Amy Adams is in it. Not my favorite gal, but. She did good uh, in it, but she did a, um, she did a fine job in the role. I think she could have been replaced with pretty much anybody. Yeah, and uh, they, but she did good. Anybody could have done that. Yeah, really, it's yeah. not a she's not what you'd consider to be an amazing interpreter of the script, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she was good in the role. Yeah, I like Jeremy Renner quite a bit. Jeremy Renner is cool. Yeah, yeah, I like him. He's mm-hmm. got a he's immediately in everything I've seen him in. He's immediately likable mm-hmm. to other guys. Yeah. Yeah. On film, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeremy Renner was in Wind River. Our, our buddy John Musser recommended that I watch that. And it's it's really a good film. You did That's a watch twice kind of a movie. And uh, and you really want to watch that because of his performance. Mm-hmm. He's he's really just a solid, a solid actor in a, you know, in a role like that. And I... You know, you immediately empathize with him and understand him, and he does a, a great job of just relating to the audience. One of my favorite war movies is uh, Hurt Locker, and he was amazing in that. I haven't seen oh, Hurt Locker. Great, great movie, great movie. He plays a um, ordnance disposal guy, and he mm-hmm. just does not care if he dies or not. Well, EOD guys just kind of have to be that way. Yeah, don't they? yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, that was... Uh, Renner was good in Arrival, and Arrival's a, there's the, the interesting science fiction premise behind Arrival is not just the fact that the aliens are not your standard anthropoid, mm-hmm. you know, guys in rubber suit kind of yeah, yeah. kind of characters. The aliens are a completely different kind of a life form, and. Uh, Completely different morphology, mm-hmm. heptopods, yep. seven legs, look like a, a very tall, seven-legged hand. Almost and, octopus-like. Uh, almost octopus-like. But the, the fascinating thing about them is their language. Mm-hmm. And the language that is, is postulated in, in this film is... Interesting in contrast to our languages that we speak here on Earth, which are reflective of a timeline. Mm-hmm. We are in the present. The future hasn't occurred yet. We look backwards to the past. All of our English and Indo-European sentence structures reflect that structure. You know, there's, for example... If you say, I am going to go for a run, there's not a verb that is future. Yeah. There is a verb for intent, Mm -hmm. but there's not a verb for future. There's a verb for past. I ran. Mm -hmm. I am running. But there's no verb for the future. Yeah. Because our, our existence doesn't, reveal that to us and they're postulating that these creatures in this film perceive time in a completely different way and that their language allows them to perceive time in a completely different way and toward the end of the movie uh, her character 
began to understand this. Yes. And, and her brain functions and, differently. And, and began to process time in a different way than we did. And it, was, it, was, it really is a fascinating film. Arrival, highly recommended. The, uh, you know, it's an alien invasion. You know, if, if, if all you got through was the alien invasion part, you're not paying any attention to this. It's, there's a lot going on in this film. And uh, I thought both of these people did a real good job. Forrest Whitaker was in it. He's, and he's, he's good. always good. He's good. Yeah. And I do like how you, you don't know, well, you think that the she's having flashbacks, but that kind of changes as the movie goes on. Yes. And it's because she's understanding this language. <laughs> and when they write their language, it's in symbols because right. the past and the present are happening at the same time. Right. It's very interesting. And uh, yeah, and it's. It's a circle. Yeah, it looks all like it looks the, almost like the, ink blots. It's uh, it, it it's 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 really interesting if you like. And Dennis Villeneuve is the director of this, mm-hmm. and um, he's done a really good job on the on the things that I've seen him do. Yes, uh, he's, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Was was his project? He was under kind of the supervision of Ridley Scott for that. But mm-hmm. but the guy is a careful filmmaker. He is a visual He's artist. A visual artist. Yes. He's very careful with everything he shoots. All of the shots are perfect. All of the edits are perfect. The 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 visual presentation of the photography is just perfect. He can, he can make a dystopian city look absolutely gorgeous. Yes. A city that is just bombed out and he makes it look Amazing. It's, it's yeah. impressive. The guy's a, he's, I don't know where these people show up from every once in a while, but he certainly is. He's the new guy. Yeah. He's the new Ridley Scott. D- Dune is going to Ridley Scott was famous for this as well. Yeah. Dune is going to be amazing. Um, at least visually, um, it's yeah. going to be really good. I'm excited about Dune. Yeah, that comes out this summer, doesn't yes, it? Yes, sir. Yes, it does. Uh, I haven't even seen a trailer for it oh, yet. You, you need to look it up when, as soon as you can. Um, it got pushed back, I think, twice um, due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, is it? Uh, yeah, I, is Frank Herbert still alive? Surely to God, he's dead. He's probably dead by now. He'd be 180 if he wasn't yeah, dead. Yeah. That 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 novel was written. Oh no, Herbert! You know he he's been dead for a while because his son took uh, took up the uh, writing after the third oh, book, is that I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was. Uh, I read the book a long time mm-hmm. ago. The the previous attempt at a film with Kyle McLaughlin and it was a disaster. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Great. It wasn't just unwatchable. Um, but, uh, who was the director in that? Um, David Lynch. David Lynch. Yeah, oh God. that's why. That's David, why it was just David you know. Lynch. You know, I like I like a lot of David Lynch stuff, and I don't like a lot of David Lynch stuff. But um, it's funny because he turned down um, directing Empire Strikes Back to do the Dune movie, and that's I, that's he fucked up. That's, <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Where did you hear that? That can't be true. It is 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Empire Strikes Back would have been a much different movie if he did it. <laughs> yeah, certainly would have. Yeah, Lucas would have fired him. Oh, probably, probably. About three months into the deal, Lucas yeah. would have said, hold on, wait a minute. I thought you were good at this. <laughs> he's good at being and, weird. And Yeah, that's all he's good at. You know, and when the... When the script calls for that, I guess that's... I like Twin Peaks quite a bit. I, I enjoyed Twin Peaks, the, the original two seasons. Um, that last season that he did was complete garbage. It was literally just TV static for yeah, I didn't. 15 I hours. I missed that somehow. 
Good. Somehow I missed that. Good. Anyway, Arrival mm -hmm. and Interstellar are our two uh, favorite examples of recent serious science fiction being committed to film. Can you think of anything else that's kind of in that same basket? Visually and script-wise, I think those are pretty top tier. As those far. are the two best ones. Yeah, yeah. One uh, that I think we forgot on the list, and it's Ridley Scott, is uh, Martian. That's Martian. actual science yes, fiction. You know, that's yes. solid science fiction. Yeah. Just, that's not even really science fiction. I mean, it's like, you know, a, a It's few a documentary, years away. basically. Yeah. It, and it's I, kind I, of a, I think Matt Damon did a fantastic job in that movie. Yeah. I mean, I really don't personally care for Matt Damon because he won't shut up about stupid things, but he was a, excellent in The Martian. Yeah. Now, yeah. The, the, the only things that departed from the science. In The Martian, and I've looked at, at this quite a bit because I've seen that thing about three times. It's mm -hmm. really, really good. It's a good movie. I, it's it's not really science fiction because there's not really much of a fiction component to it. This could easily happen 30 years the, from I, now. I think the, it, the, the main departure mm -hmm. from the thing was the physics, was the meteorology physics mm -hmm. of the storm tearing up the installation mm -hmm. because Martian atmosphere is about 1% as dense as, as earth atmosphere. So a storm at the surface of Mars would be approximately equivalent to a storm at 50,000 feet. Yeah, here. yeah. And it just doesn't, it doesn't fuck anything up because it can't. As, uh, and, as Nick pointed out earlier, I love tearing apart movies, and I think the biggest thing for that movie for me was gravity. He probably would have died just because of the lack of gravity, and especially when he came back to Earth after being on Mars gravity for so long, he probably would have died. Well, gravity is an interesting thing to discuss in terms of the chronic effects on human body. Uh, the first person to seriously explore that was Heinlein mm -hmm. in The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, that is a seminal work. And if you haven't read The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, you need to stop what you're doing and read that book. And those of us that have read the book and understood what was being said uh, are looking at these idiotic plans for a four-year uh, Mars mission in microgravity most people won't be coming back. They can't come back. They won't be coming back. They will not. They can't get off of the damn ship when they get home. There won't mm -hmm. be anything left of them. Yeah. Because the human body adapts to its mechanical environment. Mm -hmm. And our the, the expanse, phenotype, a... our, our genotype does not result in the correct phenotype in zero G. Yes. It results in the correct phenotype in the gravity well that was, it was evolved in, mm -hmm. and that is one G. Yeah. And you get these people to Mars after a year in space, and Mars is one-fourth G. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more gravity than the moon, but it's about one-fourth G. And you leave them there any length of time, and then you try to bring them home through zero G. They're going to get back to Earth, and they can't stand up. No. And uh, there's not going to be any way to stand them up No, because uh, their bones will break. There's and a science fiction show called the expanse i think i've told you about it i need to i need to get those dvds to you 
Um, but they they touch on that because um, for about a hundred years, human race has developed a civilization on Mars, mm-hmm. and they can't come back to Earth. No, they can't do it. Um, they eventually do, and that's through a lot of drugs and a lot of training. But um, they don't operate the same way as they do on Mars. No, and Heinlein on the Moon is a harsh mistress makes the very pointed statement that if you are born on Luna, mm-hmm. you cannot come to Earth. No. You, you're adapted to 1-6-G, mm-hmm. and you can't just suddenly develop a tolerance for six times the gravity that you're being subjected mm-hmm. to on Luna. And uh, uh, so the Martian was... There were there were a few little problems with it, but by and large, that was thing a was a yeah. great movie. Punched all of the all of the science ticket mm-hmm. pretty thoroughly. Yep. And uh, yeah, I was I was real happy with the way that turned out. Mm. Uh, anyway, the the so as far as science fiction is concerned, our our picks are for the classic two thousand one and for recent good examples of Rival and Interstellar. Now, the next category that we're going to go to is, uh, let's talk about the alien situation. All right. I had a lot of fun rewatching those movies this weekend. Alien, the first movie in 1979, was mm-hmm. an amazing film. Yeah. Just an absolutely amazing film. Nobody had seen, ever seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was a science fiction movie that it was space travel and deep space travel and, and it was industrial on deep space travel space truckers space and truckers that's exactly Super what it cool. was it yeah. was it was all of this technology is surrounding them and, and it was they dirty. are taking it, it completely for granted just like hourly workers would mm-hmm. take it mm-hmm. and it was just the the science background and all this all this stuff was incidental to the plot. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. I've never seen anything like that up till the time, and that was. And on top of being you, a, you, that, could have been Ridley Scott's best movie. I, I would. I think that's an I, argument there I, for that. Yeah. And on top of being a great science fiction movie, it was a horror movie. On top of that, yes. because now you have this alien that you don't see through most of the movie. Oh, it was a, it was a. He's, he's in the shadows and he's killing people. Yeah, it was a it was a slasher movie and yes. at, at one level, but it was a science fiction movie in terms of the biology of the creature. Mm-hmm. And H.R. Uh, Geiger did a did the art for it, and um, his art is unlike anybody else's. Well, I don't know if he actually did the art. I think I think Scott based the art in the movie on the work of Geiger. I think Geiger was brought on as a consultant because oh, okay. I used to have a poster mm-hmm. uh, back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Geiger was into blacklight mm-hmm. posters back then. And all of his art was, was turned into blacklight posters. Mm-hmm. And uh, Geiger, did he did design the, the yeah. alien and he designed... He did, he did, he did he actually participate. The, yeah, the there's, there's a funny um, right. antidote okay. from... Um, um, I think it was uh, Scott that was talking about it that they were watching them go into a tunnel and he's looking at that tunnel and Geiger did that tunnel mm-hmm. he's like they're walking into a giant vagina now and they didn't realize this until the movie's already yeah. made that right. they're walking in a big gaping vagina right. <laughs> <coughs> or a body cavity with you know yeah. with the guts pulled yeah, out and yeah. the ribs yes. still intact mm-hmm. several 
scenes from that movie that look like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it's damned interesting that he just shows you that amount of biology and the way it's presented, you don't recognize it as biology yeah, at exactly. the time. And yep. neither did they. Yeah. And it's, that's just, that's just, it's cool. High level shit. Yeah, it is. You know, it it's, is. it's, it's, uh, uh, you ever seen pictures that, of uh, Geiger's home? No. His entire home looks like an alien ship. It looks it, yeah. it's that alien architecture, the weird curves, and his chairs look like the chairs in the in the uh, movies. It's weird. Interesting guy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so the the alien broke a bunch of new ground mm-hmm. on on uh, what you could do with a fairly large budget mm-hmm. and a. Uh, and a willingness to stay with the script. Yeah, yeah. Don't make the set pieces the star of the movie. Exactly. Stay with the script. Yeah. Make the script the star. Make the characters the star. Make the science the star. But stay away from trying to showcase how much money you spent on this set. And you and you can't talk about Alien without talking about Sigourney Weaver and how fucking amazing she was in it. And yeah, me was, and you were talking about that. That made her career. Yeah, I that mean, was the that was the start of her. That's why everybody knows who she is. Yes, I'm quite sure she knows that. Mm-hmm. But uh, she was really amazing in that role. She was a hard nosed person. If they would have done what she said at the very beginning, none, none of that, that would have happened. happened. None, none of that, that shit would have happened. happened. No. She's appeared quite successfully in in the the three sequels Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to that now aliens the second movie Mm -hmm. was kind of a different take on those james cameron it was a cameron and and it was very clear it was a cameron movie with the action and the way he shot the action it was very terminator-ish he's really good at that Mm -hmm. and that was an excellent movie it's completely different film yes yes completely different film than the first alien Mm -hmm. uh the third one was uh what was it called aliens alien three, three. it's alien just alien three because there's only one alien in the entire movie right and uh yeah that was uh when she landed on the prison planet it, right. it picks up right whenever two ends um yeah. because they they escape the her ship ends up crashing on a prison planet where and they go out and get her and bring her and she's yeah. the only broad she's the only she's the only female <laughs> they, only they, female in the whole they developed a weird religion there they found god on the ed- edge of the earth or was, edge of the another very yeah. interesting script yeah and whose movie was that david fincher is his first oh, film okay yeah well that was a that was a very nice piece of work too mm-hmm. and in the end you know let's go ahead and spoil it ripley's killed yeah at the end of that, she gets melted down. Yeah, she uh, she kills herself to stop Waylon from getting a hold of the uh, of the of the of creature the that's yes. inside. Her. Yes, yes. So, Alien Resurrection was the fourth one mm-hmm. in that part of the franchise. Yes, Josh Whedon wrote that one, and uh, Whedon, you know, is personally he's kind of a goofy fucker, but <laughs> but my God, he does nice stuff. He, he does Firefly, he does. and he did. He knows how to write for sure. He knows how to write. He, that Firefly show was on was on Fox for one mm-hmm. season. It was he botched amazing. the Justice League real hard though. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't know what you know. That was probably his fault. But his Winter Soldier was his. Movie. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's as far as I'm concerned, one of the best movies. Mm-hmm. You know. I'd say top ten movie, oh, all yeah. time. It's just a great. Film. It, it, it's definitely the best Marvel movie. Oh, movie. by far yeah. the best Marvel movie. Yeah. And uh, 
But uh, Alien Resurrection so, was just a fun movie. Yeah, I, it was. It didn't. It didn't really add too much to the mythos. It. Um. It was just a fun movie. It was yeah, a fun action movie. Yeah, just added on to bleed the franchise yeah. a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. I watch it. Sigourney you Weaver. Know, I've enjoyed it a couple of times. She. Uh. She produced the the movie, if I remember right. She was had some kind of a non actor credit mm-hmm. in that movie. Yeah, she I think she's a EP producer. or producer yeah. or one of the two. But. Uh, and she was great in it. She she she, she filled an action she, role really hard yes. right in that one. Yeah, as an older Ripley, mm-hmm. and yeah, she was she was real good. And then the, then they rebooted the the franchise back to prior to. Mm-hmm. So when when they started with that, uh, they pick up with uh, Prometheus. With Prometheus. Yeah. Now I have heard when when Prometheus came out a while back. When was that? Fourteen. That was 2012. Twelve. Yeah. Everybody was bitching about Prometheus. Oh, I loved it. They were bitching about Prometheus because no, nah, this guy wouldn't have done that. And first one little picky bullshit detail mm-hmm. after another. And I'm just going, look, it's a movie, <laughs> right? I mean, can you or can you not be entertained? I, you know, I if pers- you can't be entertained, I, I'm sorry, but. It entertained me. I, I personally I'm, like the way I'm they... able to overlook the fact that the biology guy is a complete idiot. <laughs> you know. The guy uh, with the map got lost in the in the tunnels, right? <laughs> you know, the geologist. Yeah, he yeah. was lost. Yeah, he got the lost. whole damn thing was all right. So there's some problems with well, look what. You know, there are very few movies without problems. The uh, the geologist and biologist when they got killed by that uh, that alien worm or alien snake yeah. that was. That fucking was, brutal. That was cool. That was wild. They had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then, you know, you get back and uh, get out from under the damn thing. And and now we kind of understand where everything came from. Everything came yeah, from. And yeah. Prometheus, the character, you know, the the titles becomes obvious what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and then... Alien Covenant comes out as mm-hmm. a sequel to to Prometheus, mm-hmm. and they did an excellent job with that. I thought I've heard people bitch about Alien Covenant. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for it all that much. I, I really thought didn't. it was an excellent movie. Yeah. What did you not like about it? Um, again, this is me nitpicking, but um, you know them. He's the guy you were talking about. Yeah. That can you not enjoy a movie? <laughs> you can't enjoy a movie. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be entertained. Right. Um, I, I think the thing that I just kind of rolled my eyes at is whenever they land on that planet. And then they walk onto the planet without any suits on. With they, and they're just well, their sensors had said there's no animal life. On yeah, them. but any kind of bacteria would kill people real fast because you're not accustomed to it. They're also at a planet mm-hmm. that's hundreds of light years away from Earth, which is why it would kill in them the not so distant. No, it's not the, why it would in the not so distant future. And how did they get there, Rusty? Like you're okay you know, with that faster part? Faster than light. You're not. Tr- <laughs> are you you're okay? Not troubled by faster. Are you light, okay right? with the fact that it's 2068 and they're still using a GoPro and a giant flashlight? <laughs> and they have AR- AR-15s as their guns. And they have AR-15s and Glocks. <laughs> so, Rusty, so, so just, just fucking get over it, just, man. You know, it's enjoy. A I just didn't, I just Learn didn't care for enjoy. that one. I just didn't care for that one. I love. Well, was there anything else about it you didn't like? No, uh, I just didn't like the story all that much. You know what? What I did like, I'll say this: what I did like about it is the way the alien looked at the end of it. They did a fucking great job at making it look real and scary. 
I did like that. The best thing about those movies is Mike is is Michael Fassbender. Oh yeah, yeah, Fassbender's yeah. great. In them. He's he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was. That was a piece of casting. You know, mm-hmm. that 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 guy's what a Jesus Christ. Yeah. That especially the playing the dual role yeah. mm-hmm. in the second film, mm-hmm. and that was just a really excellent piece of piece of cinematography, photographing those guys. You know. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look awkward. No, no. Uh-uh, it, it doesn't when, look when awkward fight, at all. They, they pick the shots yeah. where you've got one guy fighting himself, mm-hmm. and the double is just—it doesn't look like you're—they're intentionally, you know, hiding who the double is. And mm-hmm. they just did it. They've really come a long way with it. The special of. effects in that movie were amazing. They were—they yes. they were real good. Um, Prometheus, same way. The cinematography was fantastic in that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, the the special effects were great in it. Yeah, I just I, I those are all six of those are are uh, exceptional films. What mm-hmm. is uh, if, 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 if is there another one planned or what's? I honestly don't know. Um, I haven't heard anything does, about them doing does, another. Uh, I guess really uh, Covenant uh, butts right up to the first film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty close. Yeah, and. Uh, so I, maybe that thing's done with, but that's that's six real good movies in a row. And, and you know, uh, at some point they have to say we should probably stop. Yeah, you they know, can't it, just keep. You can't just keep. You know, out. although they have not kicked the dead horse like Mr. Lucas has done. <laughs> well, you'll he, have he, to admit he, he that sold that it. It's Mr. Disney Lucas is is is, is, no, is enjoyed. Seeing the flies run out of the I can uh, car, I can spend the rest of this po- podcast that, talking about how much I hate the new Star Wars movies. Oh, they're, oh, they're, you they're guys, garbage. Do you guys remember uh, Neil uh, Blomp? I forget. I don't know how to say his last name. Blomp Blomkaf, mm-hmm. the District Nine chappy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was supposed to make a, a sequel to Covenant. Really? See, I, I would be really? interested in that. Yeah. I'd be interested in yeah, that. I don't know where that's at. Right District now. Nine was an interesting oh, movie yeah. too. Oh yeah. Elysium was I good. I didn't enjoy good. it, but I thought it, I've seen it a couple of times. It's just kind yep. of hard to watch, but yep. you know, it's that's, so that's sad. Probably it's a, such a depressing it movie. It's just, and it, that's probably a personal failing I've got. I just don't want to see it again. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, one of the few times I've seen a pet hyena. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're all over Africa, which is weird. <laughs> I, you know. The strongest I, bite in the I'm animal sorry, kingdom, I'm pound not, for pound. I'm not interested in being around a fucking pet. I mean, I, well, it's like people that have like you know, lynx uh, or ocelots as pets. Like that thing could kill a, you instantly. Well, not. It could scratch you pretty bad. <laughs> I don't know. Some of them are pretty big. <laughs> here's a thing on Wikipedia. It says in. Well, here's the first thing. It says in March 2017, Scott said, "If you really want a franchise, I can keep cranking it for another six. <laughs> I'm not going to close it down again. No way." And then really. Yeah, and then it says, in an interview, Ridley Scott confirmed the next film sequel will include surviving engineers who were away from their planet while David destroyed its indigenous population. Oh, wow. Well, good. It might be interesting. Scott's getting on up there, though, isn't mm-hmm. he? He's 78 or 9, I bet. Uh, His brother, damn, is Tony, he that old? What? Is he that old? He's got to be getting I, close. I'm sure he is. Ridley Scott is... Hell, I'm 65, and... Poor bastard has to be seventy-eight or nine. <laughs> he's born in thirty-seven. Jeez. Oh god damn! So he's eighty-three. Shit, man. He's in solid and shape. And Tony for... Scott sucks. His movies are awful. Yeah, they're he's they're not so close bad. To, he's not. I think has he not helped on a couple of those other than Top Gun? With, with, hold on, let me back up. 
<laughs> Tony Scott made Top oh, yeah, Gun. I just remember. Speaking of Top Gun, that new one should be coming out sometime yeah. this summer, and that looks fucking cool. Did, did Tony not get hired on any of the franchise, any no. of the Alien movies? I don't think as, so. Help or anything? Uh-uh. I seem to remember him being part of that. I'm probably completely wrong. Tony yeah, Scott's kind of been the action movie guy, right? Um, here, let's yeah, look at his. What else has he done? Well, he did. Uh, uh, the, all those movies in the '80s, like Beverly Hills Cop, mm-hmm. Last Boy Scout, those are '90s. But then he did all like Enemy of the State and uh, uh, Man on Fire with all the like they looked like music videos, yeah, just yeah. choppy, you know, choppy editing and lots of colors and yeah. shit flying around all over the place. Man on Fire, if the, he would have calmed down on that shit, it would have been in a really cool yeah. movie. Yep. But man, yeah. there's just like this weird like, yeah. yeah. Well, you get in love with that shaky cam mm-hmm. thing, and it it gives you what I guess you perceive to be a whole bunch of leeway in terms of not having to be so careful with your action yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, You know, it ruined that second uh, Daniel <coughs> yeah, Craig like, Bond movie. Yeah, like uh, it ruined it. Quantum of Solace. Yeah, yep. There are parts of that movie, although it was a good movie. There are parts of it that are fucking unwatchable. Yeah. That very first scene. Because the, the, first, the, the first chase scene. I, you just have to fast forward through that. And it would have been cool. Yeah. It would have been cool. Just eliminate it. Yeah, yeah. You know, start on the other side, because you can't tell what the hell's going on mm, anyway. No. And it's just, it's pointless. How many of those goddamn Star Trek movies were destroyed oh, yeah, like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't care. Um, I didn't care for the new Star Trek movies all that much. <laughs> Not at all. No. Abrams, wasn't, didn't he have yeah, something DJ to do Abrams, with it? Yep, yep. He likes that shaky cam mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, I just, lens flares everywhere. The entire movie. Yeah, I'm just not. Yeah, not interested. Mm-mm. I'd I'd much rather watch Casino Royale again. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Than to than to watch Quantum of Solace. Definitely. You know, and then Skyfall. Genius. One of the best movies ever been made. I agree, no doubt about I it. I completely agree. But uh, let's see. So, you want to talk about Blade Runner? Yeah, I guess. We're through discussing Aliens. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner Another Ridley Scott. is next. Blade Runner is available in about at least three and maybe four versions. Yeah. If you get on the Wikipedia page. I think there's three. I think there's... You'll, you'll see the history of the, of the release yeah. history of that movie on home video. Mm-hmm. And... The first theatrical version involved some narration mm-hmm. and that from was Harrison studio. Ford that as was total studio as the that was not Scott's decision. Yep, that was studio. The, the decision the studio assumes we're all stupid mm-hmm. and decided to hand feed us this introduction that Scott thought was unnecessary. He was mad about it at the time, but two or three other versions of that film were eventually released and the third one i believe is called the final, final cut. cut that's the one that i the watched final yes. cut and that's when i watched there's probably 20 minutes or the extra mm-hmm. footage in that thing and if you have not seen blade runner don't bother with anything except the final cut mm-hmm. and this is another one of these things that you get and you put in the machine, and you get everything quiet, and you tell everybody to shut the fuck up, and you're going to sit down and watch this thing, and you take it from top to bottom, and it is 
just astonishing, an mm-hmm. astonishing experience. Uh, so well written. Uh, the thing was written from uh, a story called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Mm-hmm. It bears very little resemblance to the story. Mm-hmm. Very, very little resemblance. It is much, much better than the original story. Mm. Much better than the Philip K. Dick story. And it is a, it is a, uh, this it is, is a, a fabulous piece of film. It was that's it's Harrison that? Ford at his at his prime. Seventy eight. Um, it, it was it was eighty two. Eighty two. Eighty two. The uh, nineteen eighty two. So this was this would have been Ridley Scott after Alien. Mm-hmm. It might have been the next film after Alien. I don't. Been. I don't know. But Harrison Ford was an up and coming actor at the time. It was prime. And uh, I think when uh, was he in? When Star Wars? Seventy seven. Seventy seven. So he'd already been in Star. Yeah, Wars. Yeah, that that set his career path for him. And then and that he decided to take this role in in Blade Runner. And mm-hmm. God, I'm so impressed with that performance yeah and uh, ricker howard richter richter i can't pronounce his first name howard the uh, guy that played roy the the uh, main bad guy android oh that's rutger howard howard Um, rutger howard yeah he uh he is menacing in that oh yes he is menacing and at the very end when you finally when he takes his shirt off and he's just a big scary looking big scary looking guy and um, and the the whole idea that you've got replicants Mm -hmm. that were essentially biological entities but are artificially created but because we created them we own them and they'll do what we tell them to do and when they stop (laughs) when they stop doing what we tell them to do we have to retire them yeah they they have a short life period because they're afraid of uprising so they give them four years to live yes they Mm -hmm. they they last four years and then they expire and uh and that's what the, happens when a crew of them mm-hmm. uh, hijacks a ship, gets back to Earth, and is displeased? Yeah. Well, they're that they're going to die. Yeah, they're looking and for extended life. So, uh, this is uh, that film is uh, amazing in terms of the individual performances. Uh, Bill Sanderson was in that thing. As uh, uh, the little genetic design guy, mm-hmm. JF, and uh, Daryl Hannah was in as Pris. Daryl Hannah was in it as as Pris, mm-hmm. and uh, Joanna Cassidy mm-hmm. is in it as an amazing chick. God, mm-hmm. what a piece of work! You know um, the the, the scene when. Um, when Harrison Ford, when Deckard finally, you know, confronts her and he's chasing her through the scene. What I like about that scene is it doesn't glorify his job at all. He guns down a woman right. in the back in front of a bunch of people. Right. And he's not happy about no, it. You he's can not, tell he's, he's not happy about it. Unhappy about being forced back into this line yes, of work. And this is why he wanted out of it. Exactly. Exactly. And he doesn't sleep well anyway and he drinks too much mm-hmm. and this is why. Yeah, yeah. And he did a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, the 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 rest of that cast. Uh, Sean Young, oh, she's is, great. I, she is like twenty two. She is a bombshell in that. Oh she my is gorgeous. god, 
she was I, she was yeah she was probably 22 when this mm-hmm. when this movie was was shot and that scene in the apartment uh the second time she comes up to the apartment and right after she saves his life right after she saves his mm-hmm. life and they go back to the apartment and he takes her hair down mhm that was that was added yeah that was not in the original oh, okay. film and oh god what a stunning mm-hmm. beauty my oh, yeah. god and then uh you know there are like any good science fiction movie there are unanswered questions at yeah, the end of yeah. the thing was Deckard a replicant? Was Deckard a replicant? They never, they never answer. They don't even answer that in the um, in the sequel. Right. They don't and answer it ever. It's uh, it's just a. Oh, uh, this is this is probably I've watched that movie. That's another one of these things I've watched thirty times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's entertaining every time. There's not anything wrong with it. No, and visually, a, every time you look at it, it's amazing. There's every not single time. one thing that you would have changed about that movie yeah. except to add all of the shit that Scott added in the final cut. Yeah, yeah. that's what should have been changed, mm-hmm. and he finally changed it, and that's the one you need to watch. And the sequel that came out what three years ago? Uh, when was that? It was Blade Runner. It was. 2017. 17. So yeah. four years ago. Yeah, 2049. As, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Was uh, one of these things that probably didn't do well at the box office because it, it asks it, something of the audience. Yes, yes. It's, know, a, it's a it, slower it, movie. It starts off slower and it, it relies, as much as they wanted to pretend as though it didn't, it does rely on some interest generated from your having been familiar with the first film, mm-hmm. and it's uh, Ryan Gosling was great in it. I, th- yeah, I, I like was. him. I he think was he's very great good. in everything. He's very good in that. He plays an emotionless robot character just perfectly. Yeah, everything I've seen him in, he's mm-hmm. he's he's pretty good like that. And, and, I, and, and he's he's emotionless until he gets emotional, and then yeah. he and then you can see the slow degrade of him. Right. Trying to battle with, am I in love right. with this, you know, virtual girl? And then right. he's realizing that all these memories that he had were 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 somebody else's memories. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great film. Great film, great uh, film. The but the cinematography yeah. in this film is what makes the movie. Yes, the damnedest photography you've ever seen. Uh, and I have no idea how it was done. How they put that red filter there's mm-hmm. just a whenever he goes dust to, in the atmosphere when they go to vegas um and everything right. just kind of got this orange glow to it right um whenever he's finding deckard that's <clears throat> very very cool yeah it's uh it, it was just a just an absolutely and, and, amazing and, and 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 harrison ford's job as the older deckard that's what i was about to bring up relating to uh his heir essentially mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all the story about who's what and whose child is what and everything. And then the tasteful use of Sean Young footage from the previous film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in, in the way they brought Deckard back wasn't like throwing it into your face. There was a reason why we went back to him. It wasn't right. just trying to bring Harrison Ford back for the sake of bringing Harrison Ford right. back. They didn't try to answer all of the questions. Yes, and exactly. this is why... This thing is in our science fiction category. Mm-hmm. It's just the questions in a science fiction film that are unanswered are every bit as important as the ones that are. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I think this is a this is a, a, an excellent example of uh, of why most good science fiction films you have to watch two or three times. Yeah. To fully appreciate what's being asked of you as a person watching the film, you know, I mean, you're 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 participating in this. You can't just say it's not a Popeye cartoon, you know. You don't just sit there and watch it. You're asked to think by these higher quality films, and uh, that's a that's a that's an important component, mm-hmm. I think. The uh, you know, and one one thing that I think is interesting about uh, the first Blade Runner and the second Blade Runner is the violence in it. It's so absolutely brutal. Um, the first scene that you see uh, Kay whenever he's hunting down um, Dave Bautista's character, that fight scene is fucking vicious, yes. and it's and it's two robots fighting each other. Right, and uh, it's it's, well, it's the, life or death. And yeah, yeah, things get that way. You know, in the first one, people are getting their eyes pushed in, and it's just the violence is just really insane. And they carried that on into the next one. Every time I see the first one, I get hungry for noodles. Yeah. <laughs> Deckard's down there on the street eating lunch, and he's got a little basket of noodles and shit with his sticks. And then he's, Edward James almost comes up and taps him on the back with his cane and mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> Which he, he was amazing in it. Yeah, he, he, was, he, he, he didn't have him <clears throat> Like, he wasn't in the movie a whole bunch, but... I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. Just, he was, you know, and if you'll remember, uh, that was that may have been his first important mm-hmm. role, and then he shows up in the the remake mm-hmm. series. Of I'm Battle glad Star they Galactica. brought him back for for that one scene. I'm so glad. Yeah. Well, no. What I was saying, oh. he's yeah. They did bring him back for that. It was he was excellent in that, mm-hmm. and it was good to get to see him again. But he did such a good job in Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm glad oh, you brought up that. Yeah, he Black was that, that was a really a excellent of the, vehicle for him. He some was, of the best TV. Yes. Um, some of oh, the yeah. best TV ever. Oh yeah. Um, very much so. Yeah. Yeah, that was when that came out, that's been fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. I guess. Fifteen, yeah. sixteen, seventeen years ago. When that came out. God, it was it was at the top of the heap. Yeah, yeah. At the time. It was excellent stuff. And he was a great character in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rest of the cast in that thing was was uh, was excellent as well. Uh, Emmett Walsh plays a hard-boiled detective chief. Well, I liked whenever they brought. I mean, what they, a you, that was! That was a brilliant piece of casting. Yeah, whenever, if you think about the way that guy just looked, the role. Whenever you know, they I, brought Deckard in, and Deckard was like, "I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore." And he goes, "Well, if you're not a cop, you're a nobody. Like he, we we can make you do this if we want to. Yeah, and we're going to make you do this. He had no choice. He had no choice. You had no choice, pal. Yep. Yep." <laughs> Called him pal. <laughs> oh, Joyce, pal. <laughs> um, and the guy that played Terrell, uh, Joe Turkle. Mm-hmm. Those thick glasses on the gang. Oh, <laughs> like Coke bottles. Yeah. Opulent apartment up there at the top of the pyramid and stuff. That mm-hmm. was that was a fabulous job of illustrating. That technology. Can you imagine a structure that big? That was in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, these super cities. Uh, just what an amazing deal, mm-hmm. you know. And then when you come back to uh, the second one, the guy who t- took up Terrell's um, basically took over the whole company when he bought the company, acquired it. His whole point was to try and get replicants to be able to have replicants, conceive them. <laughs> 
And that was saves a, money. Yeah, it saves money. And then now he, instead of <clears throat> having millions, he can have an army of trillions. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, that's where the whole plot gets pushed to with Deckard right. and Rachel having right. a child. That's why they want him to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what an interesting, what an interesting thing that was. That was uh, so. Those of you that have not seen Blade Runner, and I, I we're going to be talking to young people. If you haven't seen Blade Runner, you're under the age of thirty, mm-hmm. and uh, it's something you need to need to do. Uh, if if you can't be a science fiction aficionado and not be familiar with that film, I put it on at the uh, tattoo shop that I work at, and um, you know. It was, Saturday mornings, there's just 18 year old airmen in there just front when they get tattooed, and all of them are just staring at it. Never like, seen it before. What is this? <laughs> is this <You're> anime? <laughs> <laughs> Was that the first one or 49? First one. First yeah. one. I had that one on. Yeah. <laughs> they had no clue My what was God. going on. No clue Harrison about Ford, Blade Runner. Harrison Ford pops up. They're like, is that Han Solo? <laughs> yeah, that's his name. That's, that's his name. Exactly what it is. <laughs> Oh God! Well, is that everything? That's uh, yeah. Um, we could talk about the Matrix, but uh, you know. Well, you know, I don't want to misgender we, anybody. We had, uh, <laughs> we had, we had, because the Matrix is important, especially under yeah. the, in current political circumstances, mm-hmm. for a couple of different reasons. The Wachowski individuals <laughs> were the directors of uh, the Wachowski relatives were the were the. Uh, the people behind the creation of the Matrix. The first Matrix movie was an interesting premise. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the the premise of the Matrix has probably been more discussed in popular culture than the premise of any other science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why, but I'm, I'm, I recognize that it has been. and uh, That we're living that in a we're simulation. We're living in a simulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're living in a simulation and we don't know it. Yeah. Now, I guess if you're living in a simulation and you don't know it, then you would not appreciate the fact that the technology, in fact, does exist that would permit the creation of the simulation that you're living in. All right? Uh So there's that, right? But uh, it's a fascinating idea mm-hmm. that external forces are so thoroughly able to manipulate the reality of the situation to you that you would believe this. Well, folks, here we are. And it gives you and it here gi- we are. It gives you, you the know. question: Is ignorance bliss? Would you rather just live in a simulation and not know the blue pill? Yeah, or do you want to take the red pill? Or do you and- want to take the red pill and actually find out about the vaccine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take the red pill and understand about oh stuff like arithmetic and mm-hmm. how many people are dead and all this other shit. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's the red pill blue pill thing is the is the is the incredibly important idea behind the matrix. That and Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, she's an unusual-looking girl. She is, she is definitely she a supermodel. Is, she is. She is. Uh, yeah. I don't think of her as a supermodel. I think of her as just a an unusual-looking, hot, 
Well, that's how she eight. got her start. That's how she got her start. Oh, she was a model. She was a model. Yeah, she was a model, yep. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah she was a model. So first. she is a super. Mm -hmm. Well, she's a, a fine-looking girl. Mm -hmm. And in that movie and the subsequent sequels. The, the two sequels. She did, they, she did a great job. They, they were all, they're all good movies, but that first one stands out. The first out. one is a standalone yes, yes. deal. Yes. It, is, it establishes important ideas. Mm -hmm. And it came out, and, I believe, in 99, I think it got written down. Yeah, it came out in 99. Well, that's and the, it, why I wanted to include it is because of the idea yeah. that that here we are in a constructed reality and we don't know it. Mm -hmm. You get inside the reality, you take the red pill and get inside the reality, and suddenly now you can go over here and look at everybody. Yeah, look yeah. at the cubicles and all these people mm -hmm. are just waiting to come, you know, yeah. into existence. And, and, and it, and it just pushed, um, you know, to, <coughs> to go to the more the cinematography, it pushed um, – special effects mm -hmm. in a much different way than anybody else had. They, right. they basically did what 2001 Space Odyssey did, but currently. They, they right. created all this new technology that never existed, mm -hmm. and now that's pushed everything a little bit further. There's no movie that looks like it. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's by itself in, the, in its appearance as a film. Mm -hmm. There's several that have tried. Yeah. Uh, several have tried to get close to that. So I think that uh, the inclusion of uh, this film was was uh, important in that, well, I, I don't know. It, you know, it, it may have given some people some bad ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, people are this manipulable. If... Uh, if we can construct a matrix for these people to to operate within, maybe they just will. Yeah. If we make it easier. Well, that's the whole ignorance is bliss thing. Oh, know? God, yes. My life's easier here. Why would I want to go Why to Why would I want to make it complicated? Why, Why would, would I want to give myself a bunch of unnecessary decisions to make? Mm -hmm. Why would I present myself with the responsibility of actually knowing what the hell is going on instead of just believing what I'm told mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. And, I, you know, I can't think of a, a better analogy for what the fuck is going on right now. Yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, these guys dreamed this up in 99. I don't think they ever had the slightest idea that what they were postulating would be uh, so thoroughly represented in actual modern culture yeah, yeah you know 22 years later yeah but here we are you know mm -hmm. here we are well anything else on the list i think we uh pretty much nailed it all the difference between science fiction and space opera or space westerns is the is the idea that the question about the science is the central plot mm -hmm. element mm -hmm. What are these people doing? And what is, not so much what are these people doing, but what is going on around these people that's changing what they're doing? And 2001 is, a, is the best example of that. It's also the best example of a piece of film, in my opinion, that's ever been made. I can't think of a better movie in terms of photography and script Production, technology, technology, 
its ability to withstand the test of time, its foresight, its hindsight. In the case of 2001, it's, it, the whole thing was just head and shoulders above anything else that's ever been done. And uh, our uh, examples of space opera would be Star Wars and Star Trek, and that's perfectly wonderful entertainment. I am the biggest fan of the original series of Star Trek in, on Earth right now. I actually watched all of those shows the night they aired on television from 1966 through 1960. That's how the next generation was for me. Yeah. I did not miss. You know, I I taped in my VHS recorder, mm -hmm. in my VCR, all of the next generation episodes and watched all of those mm -hmm. at the same time. But I was I was a big fan of Star Trek. But it's not science fiction. Yeah. It's not science fiction. It's set in the future, but in order to be science fiction, there's got to be more involved in it than being set in the future. Or set in a galaxy a long time ago and far, far away. So, uh, 2001 and Arrival and Interstellar are our examples of, of, of good quality science fiction. Mm. And then what we do? We went to uh, the Alien franchise. We went to the Alien franchise. Blade Runner. Aliens, Blade Runner, Matrix, mm -hmm. all this stuff. And... Uh, you know, this will probably prompt some questions from those of you that are also fans of this stuff. And if you, if you think of questions, there's nothing to say. We can't revisit this topic. And, uh, in fact, we're going to plan a horror movie show. Right? Yeah. They do horror movies. Everybody likes movies. We like movies. We'll do a horror movie show. We talked about spy movies too, right? Spy movies. Spy movies. We'll do spy movies. Let's do westerns. Let's just keep. We're going to do westerns. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do all this stuff because I, I look. I watch. I'm terrible. All right. I really am terrible. I watch a movie every night. Mm. I own several hundred DVDs. I don't have Netflix because I like owning the movie. Netflix may decide that. The Sackets is misogynistic and sexist <laughs> and take it off of the service. Well, I'm not going to let them deny me the pleasure of watching it so I don't watch Netflix. Fuck those people. I just buy the DVD. They're getting hard to find, though. You're having, I have to scrape around on Amazon to find stuff. But uh, as long as they keep making them, I'll keep buying the damn things. I've got plenty of room to store them, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but, yeah, we do all kinds of other genres. So you guys come up with some suggestions for science fiction for us to discuss, and we certainly will. So if you've got some ideas, uh, shoot them to us. We'll file them away and you know, work them into a future show. We might do a, hell, we could do a space opera. That'd be fun. Show on Star Trek, Star Wars. You know I can talk about Star Wars. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Look at you. Jesus. <laughs> But uh, you don't want to do a Star Wars with Rusty. Probably too. Oh intense. shit, man! It would be very intense. There would be tears. I mean, yeah. you might just want to leave. Maybe some blood. Just let him do it. All right, Rusty. I'll be right back. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go tee tee and just just disappear. <laughs> Here's car right door. <laughs> drive off. <laughs>
Uh, and I don't even notice. I'm just rambling. No, yeah, yeah. We, can just, we can just put the three skeleton. hours later. Yeah, we we'll just put the skeleton <laughs> in the chair. The rip's not back yet. <laughs> he breaks from the trance. <laughs> oh god. So, uh, yeah, ideas about what what to do. Movie shows on. We can do these all day. Uh, you just have to. You just have to endure our edits as we break away. And, get caught up on what we're trying to remember since memory's so faulty. <laughs> You'll have noticed that in the show quite a bit. Anyway, thanks for being here. It's Friday. It's Starting Strength Radio, and you're not. Nice.